If only they knew the hub for young business minds. Welcome back to another episode of the If Only They Knew podcast. Today we're joined by Atto from Savvy Wallet, and he's going to share some wisdom about how he became more savvy with the money in his wallet and how we can do the same. Enjoy. Myself personally, I wasn't really financially literate. Um, and what I mean by that is that I didn't really, when I got a credit card, I didn't really understand what that meant. When I got overdraft, I didn't really understand what that meant. So I was quite reckless with it in the sense that with my overdraft, when I had a student overdraft, just spent up the money, didn't really read the terms and conditions, ended up getting a default because I did keep the account active. So that had a massive impact on my credit score for about six years. Um, six years? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so it's right. lasting up. Yeah, if you get default, it lasts on there for six years. So I was on that and I was also on a payment plan. So that really woke me up to the fact that, okay, I said you need to sort out your, your, um, your financial matters. Managed to sort of turn it around by like just doing, just reading and learning from friends and stuff like that. And then um, fast forward a few years, bought my house last year. And that, for me, that was a really big milestone because I was like, wow, I, I managed to turn it around from like being in serious debt yeah. to being able to manage to save over a five-year period for property. So I thought, okay, I'm at the stage where I feel like I'm comfortable sharing this with other people. So let me do that. So what I do on Savvy Wallet is I um, normally daily uh, do like a post around a different topic, whether that's debt, whether that's saving, whether that's investing, whether that's like improving your credit score, uh, just to help people get a bit of an understanding. I try and make it as jargon free as possible because in the finance world is very uh, jargon related and I guess a lot of people um, are confused by those terms I don't know if it's done on purpose or whatever just to confuse the consumer I think it is personally yeah. conspiracy theory <laughs> but um, yeah so so that's what I do on Instagram on YouTube I do about it used to be weekly now it's two to a week so again very similar topics I talk about stocks quite a lot I talk about investing I talk about saving for your first property um, and now I'm also trying to like branch out into Twitter a little bit as well so mm. yeah it's it's really good at the moment. What, what I like about your page we'll get into it a bit more in detail in a moment but what I like about your page is the fact that you're like you said you sort of make it easy to digest because like you said there's so many bits of jargon that just before we started recording I had like no idea like I couldn't I just don't know any of the terms so like if you were to sort of speak how I guess finance professionals would speak if you were to speak to me like that it would literally go over my head like I can I know the words you're saying I've heard those words before but in context and if I had to take action from it it makes no sense and you sort of uh, make it easily digestible and you're also honest as well. Like I, I saw your video about the like showing the, the stocks and stuff you have. And it's good to see someone so open and, and honest about all, you know. So, yeah, good platform. Very good platform. Thank you. So why do you think you don't understand it? Let me bring the question back to you. <laughs> um, for me, I think mm, primarily it's because I just didn't, wasn't really like um, educated on just those terms in general and i had like no in school no almost no finance education obviously i knew numbers and stuff from maths and we understood about how an economy works like to the the bare minimum level in economics but in terms of finances 
and all the terms that comes with it and tax for example no idea how to how to sort of work around that in 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 a real world scenario scenario so i think honestly it's just from the lack of education from an early age which means that i was always catching up and i don't know about you um but i feel like that's probably the case for so many people going through school they don't learn about taxes as much as they should they don't learn about houses mortgages stuff like that all the important stuff is just sort of oh you learn about that later on and then you never do because i think that's where my like uh misunderstanding of it all comes from yeah and that's the thing it's we we don't get taught these practical skills that will help us from a very young age so you've alluded to the fact that we don't get you know we're not educated on finance which is very true we get to university we have to live by our own we have to pay our bills we don't get the understanding of actually why don't you save some of that student loan aside for you know for investing in the future oh did you know by the way if you get student loan that you have gonna have to pay it back off when i went yeah to uni i was under the impression i don't know where i got this from but i was under the impression that it's going to be interest free how wrong yeah. was i as soon as i i you know started earning a certain amount i got my bill through just to say okay this is how much you're gonna owe and i'm gonna be probably paying it off for like the next 10 years and that's I wouldn't say it's got like a massive impact because the amount they take isn't that much. But in the sense that even at that point, you don't even really take it too seriously or understand it. And now university is nine grand a year. So the next generation, I'm going to be paying up, upwards of 30 pounds, going to be 30,000 pounds of debt. So understanding all of these things like, you know, like what is debt, what is good debt, what is bad debt, what is savings is, is really, really lacking in the UK. And the statistics are bare like so money charity for example saying that um, about a million people don't have no savings or less than 1500 savings yeah so and then the average um, credit card debt is around 2500 so that just shows you that we've got a real financial illiteracy problem in the uk before we go into all of that um the reasons for it and how to sort of work around it um I always think if you're okay with it, if we can rewind the clocks a bit and, and sort of see what you was like when you was a little bit younger, like was you interested in this area from young? Because I know you, you went to study law, is that right? And then you, you yeah. sort of switched up a little bit. So if you don't mind going back and telling us what you was interested in and how it sort of, how you got uh, involved with this. Like. Yeah, so finance, I want to say I was interested per se in finance from a young age i was interested in business a little bit mm. um i think when i was young i wasn't really sure what i wanted to do i had like a little bit of affinity for law so um that's why i decided to to study at university uh, but when i got to about 30 i was like yeah i'm not really too interested in doing this anymore because i was really interested in criminal like crime and stuff like that i just thought to myself my conscious it just wouldn't land right with me it, whether i was you know prosecute or defending somebody so I was like okay I can't I can't do that at the same time I was really interested in IT information technology so I decided to uh, do a master's at City University um, it was like a mixture of business IT and stuff like that got my uh, first few jobs I think the part that started getting really interested into finance was when the um, when I had to basically overcome a debt um, issue that I had uh, which I've got a video on YouTube about it um, over three months so I got to a point where I was owing like 
I don't know how I got here. <laughs> this is the problem with like not being financially literate. I think I was earning like four thousand and had to pay it in like three months. And I don't even know how I really got there. If you know what I mean, it's it's hard to pinpoint the exact. It wasn't like one big thing. It was lots of little things that led up to that moment. And I think from there, I started looking into budgeting, saving, investing, and from there, I was just hooked onto it. Yeah, that that's it is scary though how you can sort of rack up a, a massive bill like that without realizing like your phone minimum about thirty quid if you're lucky all the way up to I know someone is paying ninety quid for a phone every month. Um, wow. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know. I thought that I think the reason he did it because he was told that oh, you, like whenever there's a new phone, you can just upgrade whenever. But ninety quid a month is a bit strong. Plus everything else, plus rent. Plus, if you've got a gym membership, all these things add up. And before you know it, you're spending hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands, like in your case. So, yeah, if you're not aware of it, they can sneak up on you because it's so easy to say, I'll pay for that monthly or I'll pay for this monthly. And then before you know it, you're like, oh, crap, I'm in debt, big debt. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And that's that's the thing. It's like things like that. So your friend that's paying 90 a month, right? So he's probably thinking, okay, it's a brand spanking new phone. Why not? I can't believe that. Back in the days, if, if you said to somebody, you're going to have to pay 90 pounds for your phone, they'd be like, what? But because we're so stuck to our phone, a lot of people convince themselves that, okay, because I'm going to be using it all the time, it's actually worth it. I might as well spend like odd 900 quid a year. Why not? But if you actually calculate how much you're paying for that. If you were to buy the phone outright and get a deal, you're spending so much money, much more mm. on it. Um, so yeah, I used to work in a phone shop, so I understand what they, what, yeah, what they, what they try and stuff. But you know, the thing is, when I was in a phone shop, I didn't like to, um, what's the word? I didn't like to take advantage of customers. I like to, if they wanted something, I'll try and steer, get, you know, get the best for them i didn't try to look at my own pockets and line my own pockets and get commission out of it and just you know try and steer into the top end because if i didn't think that was the best for them i wouldn't do that so yeah um yeah it's very interesting <laughs> yeah it, it is mad and the thing is i went into uh i went to get an upgrade the other week in fact and i thought you know what i'm just going to get pretty much the same deal i'm on now but it, it, it's mad how like can you imagine a world Obviously, there was one before, but can you imagine a world now where you didn't pay monthly for a phone? Like, you just spent a, a few hundred quid on a phone and then that was it. Like, you just upgraded whenever and you wasn't sort of tied into anything. Because I, now I can't picture that. Like, I feel like it's right that I feel like it's done, on, obviously done on purpose. So you're tied into that. And that's it. £20, £30 minimum going all the way up to, if you're crazy, 90 quid. So yeah, it's it's easy to get tied into these things and sort of, take them as that's the way it is like oh yeah i pay monthly for my phone but why you, you sort of you're not you're not forced to it's just that that's what people are used to i think there there are other ways around it you know yeah and the thing with the phone industry as well is there's always an upgrade every year so you're paying so much for a product that in the next year the value is going to be like half anyway so yeah. that's that's how you're you're overpaying so much for it and i think a lot of people don't think about that and you know it's fair play to them the marketing is so strong it's so good we've got this consumerism happening as well so it's really hard to not you know go for a new phone like me before i got my recent iphone 11 i had my iphone 6 for like nearly four years i'm like i'm not gonna i'm not gonna yeah i'm like i want to save money i'm not gonna spend 50 60 pounds for a new phone that's gonna be upgraded and i wait for it for it to slow down a lot for it to get really old 
until you know finally I was like, okay, cool, I can get a new one now. Yeah, that's what I did. I waited until the very end when it started bugging and stuff and started crashing. I was like, oh, maybe I'll have to upgrade. But again, they probably do it on purpose. But talking of like the, the current situation, like with the phones and stuff, in terms of the current global climate, obviously there's something going on called the coronavirus. Don't know if you've heard of it. And uh, yeah. a lot a lot of people are obviously like devastated by it. But in terms of people like traders in particular, it's a bit of a sensitive topic, but they've almost found like the positive in such a massive negative because i know people that sort of when it all started coming out in the news earlier this year to start the year sort of banked on certain things and then now they're reaping the rewards from it and and vice versa some people made the wrong choice and then they're paying paying for it but a lot of traders in particular made a lot of money off of this uh pandemic and i just wondered what your thoughts are on that like is it is it a case of just seeing the positives in such a negative or is it a bit of a touchy area to go into um i mean at at the moment i invest i think it really depends on you as a person i think i do understand why some people would think like you know oh it's a bit you know taking advantage of um you know the economy's demise and the fact that we're going through a pandemic but i feel like in any sort of crisis you have to kind of look for opportunities and if there's an opportunity for you to make money, especially if it's an ethical way, um, like, for instance, clean energy businesses are getting invested into, technology businesses are getting invested. You know, how we're speaking through Zoom. Zoom was one of the beneficiaries yeah. of the pandemic. Its share price has gone up. Yeah. So it depends on the perspective that you want to have. You want to have a negative, oh, people should be able to make money. But then again, you are using some of these tools that enable us to kind of be distracted from this pandemic like you know we have instagram lives we have all of these things that have helped us you know distract us from actually what's going on outside so i think for me i think i don't think it's a touchy subject i think it depends on what you're investing into now if if we if you were saying to me okay we're investing in something that was going to be detrimental to the world then fair (laughs) enough but it's it's not that right so um yeah i think i think it's been good i've been happy to see a lot more millennials let's say get into the investing world. I think the caution thing I would sort of, you know, be cautious of people is to be careful what they're investing into. Because I think a lot of, you know, you've got these Robin Hoods, Trading 212, which I talk about and I use, got free trade. A lot of the millennials use it because they're very easy to invest in. Mm. It's cheap to invest in there and you can buy like fractional share. So it means a part of a share. Um, And because it's so easy to do that, a lot of them are getting carried away with you know buying all sorts of stocks and penny stocks especially are really popular with them because they're under a pound so they they feel like oh yeah i can buy 100 if this goes up to 10 pounds and i'm going to be a thousandaire or millionaire so some people are getting carried away with it so um, that's the only concern but aside from that i'm happy that the you know the barrier to access has been lowered massively because i think previously investing was seen as more of a elitist thing Mm. Um, even all the books that you read that's what it was it was elitist back in the days before you could use like you know apps and websites uh, you had to basically have a relationship with an investment manager to be able to invest so it was really elitist but now you don't really have to have that anymore so it's there's been lots of positives i would say over the last six months a year Mm, definitely and on the point of trading i think I'm glad you sort of put that caution out there because a lot of people 
I'm sort of I've been involved in like the young business minded like community for the past three years or so and I've seen so many people like just fall victim to the the guy on Instagram that's like posing next to the nice cars and showing off his Balenciagas and showing off this showing off that then like underneath every message it's like oh join my trading group or whatever or join this join that or give me this amount of money and I promise you you'll earn this and then after a few months they just disappear off to like the face of the earth and it's because they're scamming so many young people. And I, yeah, like I said, I'm glad you made that, that caution because a lot of people will just, they see something on, especially on social media, like, and they see that as like the ideal thing and they put that person up as their idol. And yeah, and that becomes just a tricky situation because once you start really wanting to be in someone's shoes, you'll almost get, it gets to the point where you almost do anything to get there and no matter what that is, you know, even if it means spending thousands of pounds with the, with the promise of earning more money. I mean, if it was that easy, you know, we'd all be million millionaires and billionaires. If, if there was a, always a promise to put a thousand in and then you get 10,000 back, why, why hasn't everyone done it? You know? Exactly. And that's the thing. These like, uh, I'm glad that you brought that up because that is very rife within the young community. They like to prey on people who don't, mm -hmm understand and in fact i get a lot of messages on my personal instagram and on savvy wallet people trying to offer me investing there's people commenting on my posts trying to offer oh speak to this trader they made me a thousand and all of these sort of scammers but i leave them there because you know i want people to understand that these people are scammers the thing is with investing is it's a long-term game it's always a long-term game and that's what i preach to people you have to realize that this is a long-term gain and that you can actually lose your money tomorrow as well as gain money in five years. But you have to be, you know, disciplined. You have to think long-term. You have to diversify your risk. There's so much to it. But again, this is why I cautioned earlier that, you know, Robinhood Trading 2123 Trade has made this a lot easier. So as long as, you know, that message gets through, you know, I'm happy, but yeah, I, I do agree. There's a lot of scam scamming happening and people still fall victim to it, yeah. unfortunately, because they want those quick gains and Instagram doesn't help either. You know, if you, if you've got somebody flashy, like I could literally go and buy, I don't know, Prada or something, yeah. pretend that I'm, I've got them and then go and return them to yeah, the yeah. store or yeah. borrow it, for example. So, you know, a, a lot of people put so much emphasis on like, you know, that Instagram lifestyle. And I just think it's just not, you know, what you should, mm. you should aspire to at all. Um, you should aspire to be, you know, financially wealthy, uh, achieve your financial goals and live the life that you want to. But don't think, you know, for a second that it's all about trying to show off to people. And I, I made a post, I think about that recently on the weekend about billionaires and how long it takes billionaires on average to achieve that status. So I think it was 23 years mm. it takes them to achieve that. And in that, in my caption, I said, I specifically said um, around basically, who are you trying to show a Ferrari to? Who, why are you so quick to show a Ferrari to people? You shouldn't have that sort of mentality. And if you have that sort of mentality, more than likely you're not going to get there. So that's, that's my message to people. Yeah, I think it's related to that as well like I've tried very hard not to show off certain things and not to buy things to show off if that makes sense like I've tried like you know when you go into a shop and you think oh I like them them trainers and then in the back of my mind I try and like think about it why do I like those trainers I like those trainers because 
they're the ones I see on Instagram all the time. And they're the ones that people are like, oh, did you see that guy with those, like the Lebutins or whatever it is? Like, and I think, no, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to fall victim to that, just that mentality alone. Even though it's only me I'm affecting, I don't want to fall victim to that, that mind state of having to go out of my way to spend more than I have to impress other people. And it's the same with like, you said you bought a house, right? You said at the start you bought a house. Like, yeah, like I, I'm like almost there on the, on the journey to buy a house. I'm almost there. And I feel like it's because I've sacrificed certain things. Like I didn't, I've had the same car, like I've, I've got a Ford KA and it's like the amount of times it's like broken and I just like, I smash it to pieces basically. And I just don't care because I think, you know what, what's the point of me getting a new shiny car to show off with when all that's going to do is put a massive dent in all the savings I've, I've built up over the past few years and then put me 10 steps back just to get 10 more likes on Instagram. And I wondered what was your like thought, thought on that whole process of, like buying things to show off or just staying quiet in the background to then say for the long term or more short term sort of things. What's your what's your thought on that? Yeah, so I, I I'm I'm a fan of that. I mean, personally myself, I don't show up on Instagram. I don't show up anything really. Even to talk about me saving for my house, it was quite difficult for me to talk about that because because I don't want to show off. But I think the reason why I did talk about it is because I wanted to inspire other people. Yeah. this is the process these are the steps that you need to take and you need to understand that if you want to do this you need to focus and you need to be disciplined so yeah I agree that it shouldn't be about like trying to impress others and I think we all battle with that you know from yeah. time to time even though you're say, saying that you want to save your house mm. you kind of at the same time want to show your success oh but I've, I've done this yeah. praise. <laughs> I think it's a little bit of a natural human thing but you have to at the same time like you like you said when you went to the shop, okay, why am I actually doing this? Is this actually going to be beneficial to me? And that's why I always advise people, is this going to be beneficial to you? You, you want to buy this, um, I don't know, you want to buy a new bag, right? Chanel bag. Okay, why? Why do you want to buy it? Mm. Okay, cool. If the reason isn't good enough, wait a week, decide in after week, if you're still having that fear of missing out, want to show up. If you don't, then don't buy it. It just shows you that it wasn't strong enough because what ends up happening is you buy it, a month, two months later, the gimmick's gone. Gimmick's gone. Nobody cares that you've got a Chanel bag. Like, so I just think it's just you should do things for yourself and not for other people. If if you want to get a Chanel bag because you like a Chanel bag and you like the way it looks for you, fine, go for it. But if that's not the reason, and the point is is that you want to go into Instagram and you want to show off and you want to get two hundred likes, you want to get three hundred likes, then you're literally bankrupting yourself for social media, and I don't agree with that. Yeah, and it, you're right about the gimmick. Like I've bought like back in secondary school, I bought a few things like a jacket or whatever, and I'm like, oh yes, this is it. Like my life's gonna change. Everyone's gonna love me when I buy this jacket. I spent like five hundred pound on the jacket, wore it to school, and like <laughs> no one even looks. And I'm like, oh guys, like I got a new jacket. Come on! And then like literally after a week, I'm hating myself because I think I just wasted like five hundred pound or whatever it was on a jacket that. No one even said like, oh, that's decent. That's a nice jacket or whatever. And it had no benefit. It was terrible. It was a terrible fit. And I just thought, oh, you know, what? I'll give up. And ever since that moment, I thought, nah, this is it. I'm just going to buy what I, lo- what I genuinely like and what I genuinely find useful or whatever. Then I'll consider buying it. But anything just to sort of be uncomfortable to show someone else that I'm comfortable, like with money and stuff, I think, no, forget that. But exactly. 
it, it sort of brings me on, if you don't mind, about the importance of budgeting. Because I saw one of your your videos, one of your clips, and it, it made me think like budgeting is so important, and it's almost it's quite easy to 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 do if you just sit down and sort of work out what what you're playing with like what cards you have how much money you have coming in how much money you're going out so i wondered what's your take on on budgeting so budgeting for me i was thinking about it earlier today budgeting is key to everything in your personal finances without a budget you literally don't know how much you can save you don't know how much you can pay off in terms of your credit card you don't know how much you will need if you need to achieve a financial goal. Like the budget is literally central to everything. And for me, I, I know I, I know my budget. So I know how much my bills are every month. I know how much my mortgage is every month. I know how much spending money I've got allocated. I know how much money I want to put like into investing. I know how much money I just want to keep as cash. It helps me. In fact, I think the most important thing about budgeting, it helps me feel comfortable with my finances. Yeah. I because I budget, when I look at my bank account, I'm not scared. I'm not scared to look at it. When I spend, I'm not I'm not scared. I'm like, all right, cool. When I looked at any debts I've got to pay, I'm like, oh yeah, okay, cool. I'm aware of it because it lets you for me, it's like you're facing your finance mortality, honestly. It's one of the scariest things ever to do. And once you get comfortable with it, you think to yourself, why was I ever worried about that? Why was I running away from that? For me, back in the days when I used to go out in Shoreditch, I always use Shoreditch because that's where I used to spend the most amount of money. But there used to be days where I would go out a night out and I would deliberately not check my bank out the next day because I was so ashamed to see how much I spent. So I just avoided the issue. And it got so bad that, you know, when you, I don't know, you go to a shop or you go to a cash machine and you can't withdraw any money because you haven't checked your account because you're avoiding everything. So budgeting is key to understanding how your money is being spent. And if you don't have that oversight, it's going to be very easy for you to not meet your financial goals, for you to be able to get into debt and for you not to be able to save. So it's very important. Uh, yeah, definitely. I had someone from The Apprentice come on and, uh, a few weeks ago and they said something similar about like money blocks. And it's just that idea of like being scared of talking about money, even if you're like, talking to yourself in that sense like it like you said you, you're scared to open like your banking app the next morning because you don't want to see like a massive chunk come out or whatever and yeah I, I've had that so many times where I can't even look at it and you just get yourself into more and more trouble because you're just like you said avoiding avoiding the issue and I know so many people that have gone into their overdraft that way and have sort of stayed in their overdraft and got even more deep into the overdraft um, so yeah, what's your thoughts on overdrafts? How detrimental are they, or are they not? They are very detrimental. <laughs> Again, I feel like I've got every sort of story. So yeah, I had an issue with overdrafts as well. Um, I was living in my overdraft for about a year. Luckily, it was interest-free. Um, but then it got to a point, you know, with student overdrafts, at some point, the banks are going to say to you, look, we're not giving you interest free anymore. Mm -hmm. So that debt story that I was talking about was linked to that because basically Santander gave me three months lead time and said, look, by September, we're going to start charging you interest. And I had like more than a grand in there. So I was like, shit, what am I going to do? Like I'm in a bad, bad spot. And I think the thing with overdrafts and not checking your bank account is, is the fact that you don't want to deal with the issue. You don't want to deal 
that you're not a bad person because you're spending much. You just don't want to deal with your spending habits. And I've, that's why I say I things like staring at your finance or finance mortality because you're scared to face yourself. You're scared to face who you are as a person when it comes to spending and looking after your finances. And I, honestly, I, I think part of that is, like you said, I think people are just uncomfortable with talking about money. But when it comes to talking about, you know, I don't know, how much you make, it's very easy for you to talk about that. You can boast about that. But yeah. when it comes to talking about how much debts you've got, how much is in your bank account, you, you know, you just curl in a ball. And I just feel like um, with things like overdrafts, when you don't address it, it's very easy for it to just continue going on. And when you're not disciplined, you'll just keep on overspending, overspending, and you'll never get out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it can have uh, it can have an adverse um, impact on your credit rating if if you don't get out one. So yeah, that's 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 my views on it. <laughs> and, and it makes me think then, like uni students, the amount of debt naturally they go into because I was fortunate enough to go to a uni that was two days a week so the rest of the week I could work which was a massive massive blessing because it means that even though I wasn't earning earning much I just wasn't eating away into my overdraft and getting into the, the trouble that you described there so it makes me wonder what's your what's your opinions on uni as a whole and the way the whole system is like because it basically pressures people into get into getting into debt or do you think there's a way around that can you sort of go through uni like five days a week lectures and come out in a healthy stable position or do you think you sort of have to dip a little bit and hold on as as, as much as you can i think uni is one of those things that it's okay so so we got we got the term in the in personal finance called good debt and bad debt mm. for me i would argue to a certain extent university is a good debt because you get a really you get higher education out of it you can potentially get a good job that can potentially pay off some of that university fees i think the issue becomes when the university fees are really high you may never have a chance to ever pay it off you're basically paying it off for 30 years and then the habits that you get into whilst you're at uni, so you're not working. So how, therefore, how can you even sustain yourself? The student loan is nowhere near enough. Mm-hmm. So then you're borrowing money. So then you're getting into debt. So actually, the student loan isn't really too much the problem. It's actually everything else that comes with it. The overdraft, the loans, the payday loans, the credit cards and stuff like that, because you're over leveraging yourself and you're trying to, you know, have fun whilst you're at uni. So I think uni in itself isn't a bad thing. I think the fact at uni is they don't teach us how to be financially responsible mm-hmm. in it so that when we do finish university, we come out in a good place. We don't have like thousands of pounds in overdraft. We don't have thousand pounds on, on a credit card. Um, so yeah, we, we don't get taught that at university. When I was at uni, I, in my first year, I, did, I deliberately didn't want to work because I was like, you know, my first year, you know, <laughs> it got so bad for me. At one point, I, def- I had to borrow money from family and friends. And then I actually did studies to get money, like 10, 20 pounds. Wow. And it's not like I, I didn't use it on even like, sometimes I use it on bills, but I use it to go out. So that's how reckless, I was reckless. I was really <laughs> reckless. So, you know, having said that, it just shows you that this thing is not, it's really important, but it's something that, you know, it would be really, really useful if universities could help us 
understand, you know, look, when, when you join uni, you, you know, you've got this student loan. It's more than likely that when you finish, you're going to have to have pay some of the student loan off. But whilst you're at uni, why don't you set up a budget so you know how much rent you have? Mm. Why don't you try and get a part-time job so that you don't have to, you know, pay for a loan or credit card or stuff like that? So, yeah, the uni is, is it can be a trap. It can be a debt trap yeah. if, you're, if you're not careful, definitely. How do you think, like, we can change that then? Do you think it has to be at uni level? Because people come into my secondary school, like, the, the, in the last year, I think it was, or, like, sixth form or what, whenever it was, like, that sort of period. And they try to come in and talk about these things. But one, I think like we, we mentioned just before the call, like none of us knew what the terms meant and they were speaking in this jargon. So it was literally just like the knowledge was coming and just going straight over our heads. It was like, yeah. we, we know you're talking, but we have no idea what you're talking about. You're talking about something about loans and how to do this and how to do that. But it's just not sticking. And you, you can just tell the whole class, it, that none of them was taking it on board and none of them was actually going to, do what the guy was saying so i feel like perhaps even at secondary level sixth form level it's it's either too early or or too late if that makes sense i feel like if you're going to go in at that level you need you need the prior knowledge you need the 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 knowledge and understanding of basic finances before throughout secondary school to lead you up to that moment so you can say okay that's what we learned before now this is how i will apply it and then you go into uni applying it I don't know what's your what's your thoughts on how we can target people in the right way. Yeah, no, it's funny you said that because I, I, I've been thinking about it as well, and I think that I think the younger the better, not too young, but young enough. Oh, sorry, old enough for them to understand like the practical aspects of it. Mm-hmm. Like for for example, my nephew is asking me for trainers, right? So he knows those trainers cost money. Yeah. So, about treat is about giving them a practical understanding of how um i guess from their perspective their world how it would work so for them they value like materialistic stuff which is understandable they're young they can't afford anything else but as long as we give them the basics of okay if i was to give you 10 pounds what would you spend it on right um what's if you needed to uh, pay a, a bill at the end of the week what would you do you know, to, 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 to pay that bill. So we have to just be able to give them practical understandings. I think when, when you come with all these finance jargons, you're going to get bored. I would have been bored. I would be like, what are you talking about? Yeah. You need to come to my world. And I think that's what we need to do. We need to go to their world, understand what their priorities are, and then give them practical examples around that. Mm-hmm. Because I think by the time you're more or less 16, if some, you know, you can, you can basically rent by yourself at 16. Yeah. But more or less by then you should really know like what what's happening unless you you know you're very lucky and, and you don't get yourself into debt you could be very unlucky and and you know just not progress so um i think the the younger the better i think really age-wise he said it might be too young maybe year nine year ten more yeah. or less yeah would be a good part but it's more it's really about like um understanding who they are because i was asking my nephew like you know do you know much about this and that, and they rightly said no, they don't. So I'm trying to figure a way out of, you know, okay, but you, you asked me for trainers, right? Yeah. You know how much these trainers cost? You know, for them, they don't understand the value of money and you want them to understand it. When they understand the value of money, they will take it more seriously. But if you go through life thinking, 
our, our trainers should be 200 pounds that's what you do right yeah it's giving them that understanding of money i think no definitely that's a good point um there's one thing that i had to write down because i wanted to mention it mm. just to see if you knew of anything similar because i mm. think it's now it's now been stopped i can't remember the exact name of it but it was uh, like a how uh, a mortgage i i saw like uh help to help to buy ISA and it stopped last year right and I think I got it the month before it stopped mm. <clears throat> and every month I put 200 pounds in and yeah. I wondered what your thoughts are on that and it, do you know of anything similar or how we can sort of replicate that now that it's been shut down how can young people save up for these houses yeah so help to buy ISA is very similar to another product called the lifetime ISA. I think that's the reason why they shut it down. Um, so to help to buy ISA, it was a really good scheme because you you, you get a certain amount of money from the government um, when you want to purchase a property. I think the difference between help to buy ISA and a lifetime ISA is that help to buy ISA, you can only put a certain amount, even though you could put in both is a certain amount. The lifetime ISA gives you more. Yeah. Um, and with the help to buy ISA, they don't actually give you the bonus until I think you get to near the completion stage. So it was a really good product, but now they have still, they still have this um, other product called the Lifetime ISA. It's very, very similar. Um, the only difference being is that you can save up to four grand every tax year. They give you one grand, they pay it into your account, um, wow. basically, on the months that you put in. So you get... It's every tax year, by the way, that they do this. Um, the age, they've got age limit as well. I think it's, I think from 18 to 40, if memory serves me correct. The stipulations though are that you have to spend the money on your first house. So it's only really for first time buyers yeah. or for a pension. If you try to withdraw the money, you get a charge of minus 25%. I think currently it's minus 20% because of the coronavirus. So that's another thing for if you're looking to go on a housing ladder and you're very serious about it, that's something else that you should definitely go for. And that, that was something that I used that helped me out. I got about three grand from the government for that. And it was, it was great. And you can also, if you want to, you can transfer your help to buy ISA previously if you, if you, you managed to get one into a lifetime ISA as well. So that's something for people to look forward to. Thank you so much. I might do that, you know, because I, I I thought there must be something similar. Like, there's nowhere they can just stop it dead and like not have anything similar. So yeah, I'll yeah. definitely do that. And anyone listening, if you missed the boat, you probably didn't even hear of it. To be fair, I, 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 was, very, <laughs> I was very I was very lucky to like sort of find yeah. out about it like a couple of months before, and like, I made it a mission like make sure I set that up right before it ends, and I did. So yeah, very very grateful for that. But now you've got the lifetime ISO, so you can yeah, you got a lifetime ISO, yeah, yeah, you can go and sort that out. And what's your like? What's your opinions on buying a house? Because as you was talking there, mm. it made me realise like my whole life as a young adult is like set up to get a first of uh, my first house, and like mm. all my savings is like okay, this is for the house, this is for the house, and anything I do is all directed to the house. Yeah, is that right? Like I know it's a case by case basis, but like I don't know. Like, am I doing it right? Should I be aiming for a house or what? um is it is you know what is it age old question i think a lot of i think in the uk we are really we're really proud and we want to own our own properties and we're really fixated on owning a property and i do understand the arguments for you know oh why why bother renting 
um, when you could just buy your own house and you can, um, you know, pay off, pay off the property and then get some equity out of it. So I get it. I think in your case, I think buying a house makes sense if you definitely are not interested in maybe like investing in the stock market mm. you want to potentially save on how much rent you're paying each month because mortgages are typically supposed to be cheaper than paying a rent and also if you um i guess you want to stay in one place long term because mm. selling buying and selling isn't so quick as moving out and renting if you if yeah. you told me that next year you want to move out to you know somewhere else to Canada or somewhere like that then I might be like okay maybe you should rent and just save all your capital so I do get it like people do get worried because it's like okay all your money is going into one asset but I think personally I think it's a good starting point I think it's a good starting point to get yourself onto the housing ladder because once you do you can do other things from there you know yes all your money's in there but you can in the future you can take money out of that and put into other things so you know there is no right way but it's whatever is right for you so i would say in your situation yeah i think it's a good thing to to aspire to and you know you'll be happy that you did i think yeah definitely i think like we said at the very beginning it's more of a long-term long-term thing isn't it like if, if you're if you're planning to do something know that it'll take time but it's like little steps like obviously it's a massive step getting a house but like you said once you've got that you're secure then you can move on to whatever's next whether it's investing or whether you just want to splash any other cash you get on cars or whatever i feel like it gives you the option to do that because you, you've got a, a literally a, a roof over your head you know exactly and i think that's the thing you know some people do say oh don't bother buying a house you're putting all your money into it but for me personally you're you are gonna you're giving yourself the chance to grow your wealth by buying your own property yes okay it might not be income generating but it's possible that you can make it income generating if you get a three-bedroom house you get a two-bedroom house you can let out one of the rooms that room can be paying off your mortgage and you you'll be basically living rent-free so there are ways for you to leverage that so i feel like Sometimes people spread false information. Oh, you're better off um, renting and then buying a rental property and then, um, you know, uh, renting that out. But then, but you're paying rent too at the yeah. same time, right? I'll only say don't buy somewhere if you need the flexibility to be able to move somewhere else. But yes, okay, you might be paying off something, but you're paying off your mortgage, you're paying off your own property and you're building value in your house. And you're, that means you're building your wealth. So for me, I, I think that's a really positive thing. So, yeah. Perfect. Uh, last couple of questions. I know we're short on time. I could speak to you all day and, and, and draw all the <laughs> <my> knowledge, <laughs> but I know we're short on time. So last couple, um, say I'm a young person, um, mm. which I am. Um, say yeah. if I, if I had a grand, say what, yeah. what would you advise uh, that person putting that grand into? Would you, would you advise dividing it up into small things? Would you advise holding on to that as much as that grand as possible? What, what would you advise? So if you had a grand, right, the first thing, the very first thing I'll ask you is, do you have an emergency fund? If you don't have an emergency fund, I would say commit all of that grand into your emergency fund so that you can basically be prepared for a rainy day, like what's happened with the coronavirus where people have been laid off and, you know, they're trying to figure out how do they pay off their rent. Now, if you, if you said to me that you do have an emergency fund, then I'll say to you, okay, I would definitely split that money into investing. Um, I'd like, okay, 
let's say about 20% into maybe stocks um, and funds, um, sorry, 40% into stocks and stocks funds, 25% into commodities, and then 15% uh, or more into like, basically you can invest in real estate investment trust, which is basically another way to invest in property and then keep the rest as cash just in case, you know, you want to take up an opportunity. So that's what I would suggest to people mm. with, with £1,000. That makes sense. So hold on to the, the majority for safety and yeah. use the rest. Don't sort of, because I, I know a lot of people, like we said earlier with the trading, they've got a grand and they'll spend a grand on a trading course or a trading, but it's like, no, you're doing it wrong. Like, cause what happens yeah. when the likely thing of that trading thing failing happens and you've got no money, like at least if you had two grand and you split a grand, then fair enough, you're still nuts, but yeah, go for it. But you know, yeah, it makes sense. Makes perfect sense. For that. Exactly. And I think that's the thing. We're so quick to, Oh, we've got a grand. Let me do something with it. No, save that, have that safety net. And you don't have to worry about something happening. And then if an emergency happens, you're prepared for it. I would always say, always prepare for emergencies. So I say to people, try to keep at least three months worth of expenses in your bank account as cash. And if you really want to be prepared, six months, just in case. Or even say like, you're like, okay, look, I'm tired of my job. I just want to take a holiday for two weeks and do something else. You have that emergency fund to be able to do that. Mm. But then you get people like, oh, I want to leave my job. I hate my job. And they, they just feel stuck because you haven't set anything aside. So therefore you can't even leave. So it's good for those two, two cases, really. Yeah, definitely. Last thing then, what's a common mistake you see young people do? And we've spoken about a lot of good pieces of advice and a lot of things you should avoid. But is there anything perhaps you did or you see young people doing that is just like a typical mistake like in terms of money and finances and just basically getting your life on track um one or a lot <laughs> should i say everything uh if you try and pick like one or if there's one that stands out or one or two it's up to you for me what i'm seeing right now in the trading thing is <clears throat> fear of missing out and greed I think that is the number one mistake for people losing money. So this happened with cryptocurrency uh, a few years ago, I think 2018, everybody wanted to jump onto the Bitcoin hype and say, oh, it's borrowing me money to invest into Bitcoin. The same thing is happening now with penny stocks and uh, just the stock market. We just have a lot of people just wanting to spend their money and then ultimately lose money because of that. So yeah, I think, I think that's, that's a common mistake that a lot of people do. They, they're investing in something that they actually don't understand, don't understand how it works because the price is moving up because more and more people are investing in it. So I, I would say that was the number one mistake. Yeah, perfect. Thank you for, thank you for saying that. A lot of people, um, hopefully that will sort of alert a lot of people and they'll sort of I wake up. So. Yeah, hopefully, isn't it? Um, but yeah, final thing, what's, what's next for you uh, personally and what's next for Savvy Wallet as a, as a page, as a group? Do you have plans to sort of develop it more or just continue as it is or what's next? Yeah, so I've, as I was saying before, I've got uh, this event that I'm speaking at in uh, two weeks. I'm going to be speaking about debt alongside um, other panelists are going to be speaking about investing, property, cryptocurrency. It's going to be really good. Uh, but for me personally, 
what I want to do with it is I want to, so I've got a friend that wants me to start speaking at his school and I'm looking to develop a program, hopefully for different schools to basically just help, you know, educate them on their financial literacy. I want to like sort of build that up all the way to university because I think it's really needed, which is why I was speaking about it so much because it's already something that's um, been on my mind. Um, I also want to release a few books but that'll probably be in a few years um and hopefully soon we get our own website coming up too so that i can have a bit more long form information because you know the videos are good the posts are good but there's so much more information and help that i want to give out Mm. so yeah those those are what i'm looking at at the moment and hopefully we, we can do more things Brilliant. And what do you want your legacy to be? Have you thought that far ahead? Do you want to be known? As guy, <laughs> do you want to be known as the guy that saves thousands of kids from like financial debt, or what do you want to be known as? Um, I just want to be known as somebody who helped you with your financial literacy and opened your eyes to the world. Because I think when I got that enlightening, my world has changed. I've never been so comfortable with my finances since. So yeah, I, w- I want to help people get to the point where oh yeah you know savvy wallet helped me like figure out my you know get my Mm. budgets help me say help me you know be comfortable start learning investing and things like that so yeah that's what i want my legacy to to be brilliant it's been a pleasure having you on thank you so much honestly like i said i could have stayed for hours and and taken all the knowledge (laughs) um but yeah thank you so much um the floor is now yours if there's anything you'd like to say to the audience listening or anything you think we missed out please please do say now Awesome. Thank you for having me. Just to just oh, to say, it's been, it's been really good to to, to speak on here. Um, if you're interested, you can have a look at my page on Instagram. So Savvy Wallet. Um, I'm also on Twitter. I'm trying to build my following a bit more there. Savvy Wallet One, and I'm also on YouTube as Savvy Wallet. So we talk about everything about personal finance. So we talk about investing. We talk about saving. We talk about budgeting. We talk credit as well so we try and teach you and try and make you feel comfortable about finance in a jargon free way so yeah that's everything for me brilliant thank you very much mate enjoy the rest of your day you too okay bye if only they knew the hub for young business minds